Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Soccer Radio here on the uh, Sports Byline Broadcast Network, also Sirius XM. I'm your host, Nick Gieber. It is great to be with you, as I am just about most every weekday night, that is, at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern Time, then again at midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. on the East Coast. <clears throat> A lot to get to on this show as the normal uh, early week wrap-up of the Premier League I did not have a chance to get to this week. Uh, but I'm going to do that now. Let's look also at the FA Cup. Let's talk a little bit about Major League Soccer and their new collective bargaining agreement. And I'm going to tell you why, if you are a fan of the game, it won't matter, of MLS, that is. But if you are a hopeful future fan of MLS, hoping that MLS will at some point swing with the big boys, I'm going to tell you why you should be uh, most, if not very, very disappointed about the current state of play in the knee, in the league. All right, so we're going to talk Premier League. We're going to talk a little bit about the FA Cup. We're going to talk MLS collective bargaining and the back and forth with the owners. That is settled as of right now. I'm going to explain to you what has happened. Uh, we are presented by betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And if you're listening on one of our digital platforms, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, or the award-winning SiriusXM app. Uh, we welcome you to the show. Also, I'd like to say hello to our men and women in uniform around the world listening on the American Forces Network. It is great to have you guys with me. It's always such a pleasure and a privilege. I've been on the American Forces Network uh, for 20 years now. Uh, it is really uh, such a wonderful thing to be on, and uh, we really appreciate your service as a veteran myself. Uh, I know that uh, American Forces can be a great outlet when you uh, have uh, naught else to do. Uh, so much to get to today. Really, the state of the game is, I think, in terms of the Premier League, uh, the greatest reality show on earth. I mean, we are seeing results that I don't think anyone would have so uh, thought or uh, conceived of. Let's talk about Liverpool Football Club today. My club, the club I've been following for decades and decades, Let's talk about them. Lots of discussion, a little bit of schadenfreude going on with everybody, but that's just the way it is. Let's get into it. Let's kick it off. We're going to take a break. I'll be right back to get started here on World Soccer Radio. All right, you're back with me, Nick Gieber here on World Soccer Radio on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, also Sirius XM. Uh, great to be with you. We are presented by betonline.ag. And although that Super Bowl is over, uh, the NBA, college basketball, NA, uh, NHL, and of course the Premier League, all the European leagues are in full swing. The, the Champions League about to start up again. Look, the only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. <clears throat> betonline.ag covers... Also, awards, TV show, reality TV, 
And let me tell you about the prop bets they have. They are absolutely wonderful. If you bet on soccer, you can bet on everything from yellow cards, red cards, first goal scores, all the stuff you would expect. <clears throat> they have it at betonline.ag. And, of course, that 24-hour casino, a lot of fun. If you're not here in Las Vegas with me and you just got that hankering to play some slots or some pie gal or some blackjack or that poker room, you know, it's sitting there and you're saying, I wish I could play some poker. You can at betonline.ag. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And I will be, a little later on in the show, looking back at how I did over the weekend in the Premier League. You know, last week I was horrible. I think I got one out of ten or two out of ten matches right. This week, I would say a lot better, a lot better and the ones that I didn't get, I came really, really close on. Not that that pays the bills, trust me, but did really well. So going to go through that. So keep that in mind. And if you bet on my picks this weekend, uh, well, you are more than welcome. Look, the MLS season uh, last year was a bit of a disaster, obviously, with COVID going on. No one's fault whatsoever there. Um, it's just the nature of the beast. The way Major League Soccer handled it, though, I think left a lot to be desired. And what they did was they put a lot of heat on the players through the MLSPA, the Players Association, to give a load of concessions to help them bridge a big gap because, obviously, with television revenue being minimal, uh, not not negligible because that's the wrong word but minimal when you compare it for example to other leagues in the world gate receipts are everything to major league soccer and to a as a credit to the growth of the game here and major league soccer and their teams they do draw very well which is you know massive improvement over the last 20 years no doubt about it however what they did with covid is they activated something called a force majeure clause in the contract. Now, that's a clause that is designed if there is a massive event that is outside of anyone's control, really a force of nature. Uh, but it it's increased to include, you know, wars and fires and famines and um, all of this sort of stuff. Uh, then they have the right to change and invalidate contracts. So they exercise the force majeure clause of the contract due to COVID, which I, I might say, first of all, they were not alone. There are a lot of companies that had contracts and out with vendors and suppliers and contractors, and they also uh, invoked their force majeure clauses. But MLS did it and put the player and put the heat on the players to give a lot of concessions for them so that they could stem the losses during COVID. Now, one certainly has an understanding that we're all in this together. And so I think the Players Association stepped up to the plate, but the concessions that the league wanted from the players was, I think, a little outrageous. Up to last February, the players had a new collective bargaining agreement that basically 
had increased their salaries, increased the minimum, uh, increased the minimum salary, increased their salaries overall, increased the salary cap, increased the amount of money that the teams could spend. All the things that the players, and I must say fans, want to see from the league as the league tries to swing with the big boys and grow in an organized and uh, responsible fashion. But with COVID, the league asked the players to step up and give some concessions. The league wanted $110 million worth of concessions over the life of the CBA deal that they had just signed from the players, while the players offered about $53 million. The way the league got this is they basically just threatened a lockout of the players. So the new collective bargaining agreement has been decided on, and what this has done is this allows MLS to extend the length of the collective bargaining agreement for two more years. It goes all the way through now till 2027. What this does is it delays the jumping compensation that comes with the new collective bargaining agreement that the players were hoping for, and it allows the league to get some you know, runway to the 2026 World Cup, which is you know, in the U.S. and Canada, and takes away the players' ability to leverage that World Cup in threatening, you know, a work stoppage or what have you. By the way, also Mexico. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention it was also be in Mexico, Canada, and the U.S. So that was kind of a little nastiness, I think, a little bit of backhanding. They also limited the growth of the amount of money that they will spend for the total for total players uh, between 2021 and 22 seasons. Uh, they increased that amount by just. 1.1%. Don't forget, in last June, they froze the budget between 20 and 21. So we are going to see a really minimal increase in the amount of spend on players. Now, in terms of media revenue, um, they've decreased the amount of the media revenue by from 25% to 12.5%. By half, they've reduced the amount of the media revenue sharing by half that the players will get to benefit from and keep in mind that there's a new rights deal that's going to start with the 2023 season. Now, I don't know what that's going to be, and I'm not sure it's going to be all that lucrative for them because I know MLS TV ratings have been suffering uh, quite heartily over the last few years. They have not grown uh, as they wanted. Well, what does it do for the players' union? You can ask that. What they were doing is they were really playing a de- fighting a defensive battle. They were trying to get the league to not count salaries, uh, to not come back to them and ask them for more concessions. They just wanted to lock in a number because, quite frankly, the league likes to play a shell game with them and move things around and surprise them. They got a minimum raise for players for uh, the minimum amount the minimum amount for players. In other words, if you're a player coming in, you get the minimum MLS salary has been 81000 Can you believe that, by the way? And they've taken it to the extremely generous amount of 125875 six years from now. And the reserve minimum is going to go from 63547 to 97000 Think about that for a minute. Just think about that for a minute. All this fighting, all the talk about the uh, emergence of MLS as a global league, all the nonsense that Don Garber has been spouting, the spinmeister himself. 
an entry-level player in Major League Soccer five years from now, six years from now, can guarantee himself the whopping sum of $125,875. Now, look, there is very little reason that really, really good players would want to build, generate, and develop their careers in Major League Soccer. The pay is not there. The pay hasn't been there. And this is the thing that is holding the league back. And I've got so much to talk about about this. I'm going to get to this on the other side of the break because I'm actually up against a break right now. But if you're looking for MLS to compete with the big leagues in the world, develop world-class talent, garner television ratings through the, through the ceiling on a global basis, this ain't the way to do it. All right. I will talk more about this when I come back. This is World Soccer Radio. I'm Nick Eber. Don't go anywhere. Yes, I've got more to say about MLS. All right, you're back with Nick Eber here on World Soccer Radio, Sports Byline Broadcast Network, Sirius XM. Uh, I am getting into this MLS issue and the collective bargaining agreement, the new one that was finally agreed on with the players after the force majeure clause was exercised uh, due to COVID uh, back last year. Uh, It is a negotiated agreement that I think tells you everything you need to know about the trajectory of Major League Soccer. And look, as fans of the game, and I am a fan of Major League Soccer. I'm not. Uh, I'm not a hater, by the way. Uh, lots of people say, Nick, you're a hater of MLS. It's uh, you know, you're a Euro snob and all the rest. Well, first of all, I, w- I was born in England, so I'm entitled to be a bit of a Euro snob when it comes to my sport. But second of all, that's not true at all. I think MLS is. First of all, the owners have done a great job for the fact that we even have MLS all these decades later, and that's to their credit. So I'm not going to sit here and rail on them and say, you know, what a bunch of cheapskates and they don't care about the game and they just want the almighty dollar with the gate receipts and all this, that and the other. I'm not saying that because I don't believe that. But MLS has aspirations to be a world-class league which is what you would expect. At least at least that's what they tell you. But I'm one of these people that believe you judge people by what they do and not what necessarily they say. It's easy to spout platitudes and to talk up a good game, but it's difficult to actually be judged if you're saying one thing and doing another. The fact of the matter is, in the United States, more than probably any other country, we demand that our sports leagues and our sports figures, athletes, and to a degree coaches, are the best in the world. Whether it's Tom Brady winning a million rings, whether it's uh, uh, you know the Lakers or the Celtics or you know whoever it is of the great teams of old and into the great new teams. <clears throat> excuse me. We like the best. We want the world's best athletes. We want the people that are at the top of the game. That's what we expect. And you know it from, you know, the notion of the World Series, even though, you know, we all know it was World Magazine and not really a World Series, but it's kind of, you know, fallen by the wayside that it 
doesn't really mean World Series for baseball because baseball is really primarily played mainly here in the U.S. Of course, it's also played in other countries as well, but certainly not to the level here or to the popularity here in terms of numbers of people that follow the sport. Although that said, they have their own issues with uh, a falling fan base. But whether it's Major League Baseball or the National Hockey League, the, you know, or the NBA or the NFL, and again, the NFL also a bit of an anomaly because NFL football is really only played at any sort of level worth watching uh, in two countries: the U.S., which is like the A plus league, and then the Canadian Football League, which you know one could argue is a C league. That's what we demand as sports fans. That's what we expect. And if you're going to be an owner of a team, we expect you to whip out your pocketbook. If you want the ultimate vanity toy, which is a sports team, you better be prepared to pay for it. Don't tell me you've got a luxury yacht and then I go down to the marina and instead of that 180-foot super yacht, there's you know a 22-foot dinghy with a sail on it. You can call it what you want, but it is what it is. And that is where we are with Major League Soccer. If the owners were to say, look, we love MLS, we're never going to be one of the big leagues because we don't want to spend that sort of money. We think the current, we think the global football economy is such that we could lose way too much money to make it worthwhile. We don't have the same uh, television deals because we don't have the same television ratings because we compete with all these other American sports that people have been born and bred with and are ingrained in the culture of this country. Uh, that is a more than reasonable statement, by the way. One that if someone would actually come out and say that, I would applaud because it is true. It doesn't mean or shouldn't detract from your fandom of your team. Look, I mean, there are people that like championship teams. and Well, I mean, like them. I, I, there are certain championship teams I like. I mean, I've uh, been uh, a, my second team because my sister supported them growing up. It's been Queen's Park Rangers. I love QPR. But they're people that, you know, have grown up and support and, and communities that are completely behind their teams, whether they're playing in the championship or the first division or the second division or non-league division. There's nothing wrong with supporting your team, but when the owner, when the uh, commissioner of the league stands up and spouts such absolute rubbish about how the league is an international powerhouse and becoming this and becoming that, look, what the league is doing is selling you a bill of goods that they really don't need to sell you. You love your team, whether it's the Sounders or the Galaxy or, the Red, or Red Bull or whoever it is, you love them because they're your team. You don't really give a rat's, you know, what where, who, who, what league they play in. Or maybe you do. But you still pitch up to see them whenever they play. You still watch them on TV in your local market. But if you want to know about the ambition of a league, you have to look at what they do and not what they say. And what this collective bargaining agreement makes plainly clear is that the one thing that scares the bejesus out of these team owners is looking around the world and seeing what players make, what top players make throughout the world. And they're saying to themselves, you know, we don't even want to get into that negotiation. 
We don't want there to be a situation where we have a player in MLS who is so good and so prolific and so influential that we're going to have to pay him, you know, $80 million a year. That's just not going to happen. And the last thing they're going to do is pay big transfer fees, right? Because they are a single entity. But if you listen to the league, they will tell you time and time again that they're growing, that they're an attractive league for big players around the world and this, that, and the other. And let me tell you, it's rubbish. Because the one thing beyond all others that attracts players to teams, they're two things, primarily. And there are some other things as well. But they're two main things. Number one, how much money are you going to pay me? Because all athletes have a limited shelf life and they want to maximize their income during their primary earning years. And that is a natural, normal, and completely understandable situation. So number one, how much money are you going to pay me? Number two, how successful is the team? And, and I don't mean successful, right? I mean, I, I mean, how successful with a capital S is the team? What's the history? What's the mystique? What's the lore? Are we up there with the big boys? Are we competing in the Champions League? Are we in Copa Libertadores every year? Are we winning cups and trophies that mean something? That's what players want. And there are other things as well, obviously. You know, where the team is, who the manager is. There are other less important things. But I promise you, you offer a player, maybe other than, say, Messi or Ronaldo, uh, as much money as they want, they'll go play, uh, you know, they'll go play anywhere. If MLS really wants to attract the best talent in the world, they would not have a hard time doing so if they were willing to pay what these players demand on the global football circuit. But they're not. So what they're going to do is they're going to keep the league stacked with mediocre, mid-level, and again, no, no disrespects, there are some good players there, players that can control the salary, and then to give you your Jones that you need as a football fan, they're going to go ahead and pick off some aging stars that are out of contract, uh, that you know too old maybe to sign a new contract, that maybe want to move to the U.S. for tax reasons or get their family here or have a nice change from somewhere where they're hounded and recognized uh, everywhere they went. That's what they do. And then they say, look, we're giving you this. Look at this superstar that's playing here. Well, maybe they were a superstar back, uh, you know, four or five years ago, but they're not a superstar anymore. There have been a, um, there have been a few exceptions. And I will say Zlatan, probably the single most interesting study in the exception, not because this is what they planned, just because Zlatan will be 90 years old and still be scoring incredible goals. But Zlatan came to the U.S. for his kind of big payday. It wasn't really a big payday, but he came to the U.S. and he thought this would be great. I'll come over here, maybe put down roots. This will be the place. But, you know, he just, he had so much football left in him. He didn't want to stay here and continue playing. At least not for what they were offering him. And that is a man who single-handedly could beat almost every team in this league. So, yes, the new CBA is in. Yes, the players are going to continue to play for MLS. And yes, you will, should, and I would expect you to show up, pitch up, and support your team. Absolutely. But don't believe the BS that they give you. MLS is 
going to be for the next 30 years plus. A tertiary global soccer league. Until such time as the owners are willing to either invest in players, the top quality global players that will bring the eyeballs to the networks, increase their TV numbers, and then they can sign some big media deals, or we'll have another force majeure event that will basically eliminate every other global leave and leave MLS as the lone man standing. And quite frankly, that is highly, highly unlikely. All right, I'm going to take a break. I'll be right back. When I get back, let's talk Premier League. Let's talk FA Cup. Let's, I'll give you a pick for the Wednesday matches. I know you're looking forward to that. So much to get to. World Soccer Radio. I love doing this show. It's like therapy for me, and I hope a little football therapy for your troubled soul. I'll be right back. Ah, I love that song. Love The Clash. Don't you just love The Clash? I mean, God, I sound so old, but so much of the music that I hear today has no balls to it. You know what I mean? It's just just voice processes and melodies that just go on and on. And nobody really has any guts to their music anymore. I'm really, I'm really sounding old. But I do have a birthday coming up in March, and let me tell you, I am definitely getting old. There is no doubt about that. Look, we just wrapped up... uh, weekend in the Premier League. I didn't have a chance to give you uh, my recap, so let's do that now. I do want to run down the picks that I gave you. By the way, all these picks and money lines that I'm mentioning are courtesy of our presenting sponsor, betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Um, Before we get there, I, I want to just remind you, though, that if you miss any part of the show, check us out on our podcast network. That's the Believe, B-L-E-A-V podcast network. Lots of great programming, everything from uh, you know, current events to celebrity programs to sport. They got everything you want there. Check us out at the Believe Podcast Network. That's B-L-E-A-V. All right, so uh, there were 10 matches. I will tell you my picks, and then we'll we'll get into a little bit about the matches and take a look at kind of the state of play in the table. But let's start with Arsenal-Aston Villa. And I was really, really sure on this match that Arsenal were going to continue their uh, resurgence, uh, their... Uh, coming up for air. I don't know. I, I don't really know what to what to call to call it. I mean, a team that far better than the results that they were putting on the board. If you remember, they were really, really, really struggling. I mean, they were just awful. Come twentieth of December, they were down in fifteenth place. They'd only won four games on the season. That's after fourteen. So uh, they'd won four four out of fourteen matches. And then all of a sudden, what I like to say, the great awakening. A seven-match unbeaten run, culminating in a very dour and boring nil-nil at the Emirates against Manchester United. But, you know, a result that was more than acceptable to them, I would think, although I'm sure they obviously would have wanted three points. But since that time, they lost 2-1 to Wolverhampton Wanderers. And then losing 1-0 at Villa Park is, to me, a shocking result. Look, Aston Villa are a good team. They can shock anybody out there. Their ninth place in the table is a truly worthy position for this team. I was absolutely shocked. I had picked Arsenal to win this game at plus 149. They were the bookmakers' favorites, and they did not. Aston Villa won at home. Next up, Burnley-Brighton. This match, to me, you know, there are certain matches I just get that whiff. This was a big match, though. 
This was two teams, both trying to stay out of the swirling morass and gravitational pull of the drop of the drop zone. Uh, Brighton, bit more bit more breathing room maybe uh, by a couple of points than Burnley had. You know, Fulham, not Fulham, West Brom, Sheffield. You know, not really teams that are, I think, scaring the teams above them that they're going to somehow move out of the relegation zone. But still, you want that gap. This match to me smelled like neither team wanted to lose this game. And so for me, this was clearly going to be a draw. Now, I will tell you that Brighton, the away team, were the favorites of plus 125. Burnley, the home team, were plus 225. I said this was going to be a draw at plus 205. And you know what? It was a draw. I won you some money there, no doubt. Next up, St. James Park, Newcastle, Southampton. Again, Southampton, one of these absolutely bizarro teams. Uh, and we've seen this this season. This season is the streaky season. End of November, they were in sixth place, Southampton. They lost 3-2 at home in a close game against United. That was only the third loss they had in 10 games. I mean, they were right up at the top of the table, and it didn't end there, by the way. After that loss, they went ahead and beat uh, they went ahead and beat Brighton. They went ahead and beat Sheffield. They drew Arsenal again. And then, since that time, middle of December, they have won one game. And that was a 1-0 victory at home to start Liverpool's dire straight that they're in right now. No reference to the Notflers meant there, but you know what I mean. Uh, this team has lost, uh, out coming up to this game, had lost four in a row. Uh, losses to Leicester, losses to Arsenal, losses to Villa, losses to United, 9-0, no less. Of course, they had a guy sent off really, really early on. And then, boom, New, they go to St. James's Park to play a Newcastle team that has been, shall we say, anything uh, but scary. A Newcastle team that since early December had lost every game but one. Well, had basically won only one game. And in fact, they went on a eight-game streak where they were winless. A team that lost at home 2-1 to Crystal Palace in the previous game. Well, Southampton go to St. James's Park and lose to Newcastle 3-2, and I picked it for you, plus 185 for Newcastle. They were the long shot for the game. I gave it to you, and they won. Next up, Fulham, West Ham United. Uh, this was another one. This was a big, um, a big match for Fulham because they're in that drop zone. They're hoping to get points. And West Ham are one of these teams that actually, I think, have a really steady hand in David Moyes. He's not the world's most exciting manager. I think everybody would attest to that. Of course, their loss to Man United in the FA Cup was disappointing losing in extra time. They played United really well, by the way. But this was a team coming off a victory, 3-1 away at Villa Park. They just lost to Liverpool, but they before that, then they were unbeaten for five games. So Moisey had West Ham uh, looking good. And, you know, for me, I looked at this game and I thought, uh, West Ham going to Craven Cottage. Uh, I did say it was a difficult place to play, as it always is, because it's such a tight and compressed pitch. And I should have picked... Uh, the draw. I didn't. I gave you West Ham. Actually, it was a draw, and Fulham got a badly needed point. Uh, they're now three points above West Brom, 
who are uh, right beneath them, though, in the ninth, in 19th spot, Fulham in 18th. But they are still uh, eight points from safety, and that is bad when you have only 16 games left in the season, and the teams above you are actually capable of putting wins together. Fulham or West Brom have only won two games each all season, by the way. Sheffield, who were like winless the entire season, all of a sudden uh, picked up in the last few games and have won three, if you can believe that. So anyway, Fulham-West Ham, that was a draw. I gave you West Ham. All right, Manchester United-Everton. Uh, that was an interesting game. I picked Man United at Old Trafford for this game. Um... And this was a game that you would expect with Man United playing the way they do, hitting you hard on the counterattack, soaking up pressure, battling you in midfield against an Everton team that is almost the tough, rough, and ready guys of the Premier League. The goon, the goon squad of the Premier League, I guess, is the way to put Ever is the way to talk about Everton. Uh, but uh, I had picked United at home. I thought that they would get it done, but you know, they did not. And I had mentioned that I thought United were a little bit fragile and that, yeah, they've had some great results, no doubt about it. Their second-place position is certainly earned. But, you know, since they came off that enormous streak where they, what, uh, uh, beat uh, Fulham, was it Fulham? Yeah, they beat 2-1 at Craven Cottage, capping off what was a, oh, I don't know, 12-game unbeaten run. Uh, they are now, they have now only won one in the last four matches, and that was they lost to Sheffield, they drew Arsenal, they beat Southampton 9-0. Well on them. They got enough goals there to help the average. And then this 3-3 match against Everton. So I got that one wrong. So I'll give you that one. I've got to hurry it up here a little bit because I am... Uh, wow, where does time go? I guess when I'm bitching about the MLS collective bargaining agreement, the time just flies right by. All right, Tottenham-West Brom. I said Tottenham would get it done at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and they absolutely did that. Um, Wolves-Leicester. I said that was going to be a draw, and, you know, unsurprisingly, uh, that was a draw. By the way, I like Leicester a lot. I think they're looking good. Wolves, it's nice to see them string together a few results. Uh, they are now, uh, they've lost two of the last five, but if you look where they were earlier in the season, uh, it's certainly an improvement. So that was a draw. I got that one right. Liverpool City, Liverpool lost. We'll get to that. Sheffield United, Chelsea. I said Ch Chelsea were going to go and get it done, and they did. And Leeds, Crystal Palace. I picked Leeds for that, and Leeds did quite rightly win. So actually, I was six out of 10, 60%. I got wrong. Um, yeah, Villa, Fulham, United, and uh, Liverpool. There we go. So let's talk about Liverpool very quickly because I'm, uh, I have about, uh, I don't know, about four minutes. And as a lifelong Liverpool supporter, I am not happy to see where they are right now. They have put together a run of form that I haven't seen with this club in a long time. Since a nil-nil draw against Newcastle back at the end of December, when they were hard first place in the league, it has been an inexorable and awful slide. In the last, what's this, uh, I don't know, 16 to 23, four, seven games, they have managed to win only two of them. They lost to Southampton. They lost to Burnley. They drew Man United. They did beat Tottenham, big game. They did beat West Ham, nice game. But then they lose to Brighton at home and now to Man City at home. Look, the fact of the matter is Liverpool is still not deep enough. Now, when you have eight first-team players injured, yes, of course you're going to have a problem. But it's not just that. I thought against Man City, Jurgen Klopp 
made the wrong choices, the wrong had the wrong system, and yes, I know that match was close right until sort of the floodgates gates opened, but they need to they need to put these players that they signed these defenders in the in the lineup if they're ready because gosh they need it. And unless they start getting back some of these top players soon, they're going to be in in trouble. They're really going to have a battle, I think, for fourth place. They are currently only one point ahead of Chelsea. Again, I think the 10-point gap with a game in hand for Man City is going to be too much. In point of fact, I think Man City are going to be too much for just about any team. They have not lost since the 21st of November when they lost 2-0 away at Tottenham Hotspur. Since that time... Okay, 19 games. Is that 19 games? Yep. They've won every single one but two. Think about that for a minute. Let that sink in. And some of those results have been impressive. I'm not talking about beating a team with a man sent off early on by nine goals. It's the way they're playing. They battled through it. And when they were, lost their edge up front, they maintained their tightness in the back. And I want to give you an astounding statistic right now about Manchester City. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to reinforce what I said in the last show. They will win the league. They have conceded 14 goals in 22 matches. Let that sink in for a minute. That is an astounding number. And you know the old adage, you know, good offense is built on a solid defense and you can't win if you you know, if you don't have a defense. That is so true. But when Man, Man City had trouble putting the ball in the back of the net, their defense stood up for them and made them competitors and made them contenders and kept them in games and allowed them to score the one goal they needed to win. Consistency, quality, and belief. If we use our famous Ray Roscoe matrix, obviously Man City has every single one. A manager bedded in, a system, a players that know they can win, a quality, depth, backing. They're gonna win the they're gonna win the Premier League. It doesn't take a rocket science to, scientist to see that. All right. When we come back, we'll just have a couple of minutes. I'll give you my FA Cup picks. Uh, let's do it. This is World Soccer Radio. I'll be right back after this. All right, welcome back. What's up for radio? Nikiba. Oh, sure, I've got to get a lot of stuff off my chest today, which I've done. So I hope, uh, well, I thank you for indulging me. It has been just that, though, an indulgence. And boy, Man City, I tell you what. Ooh, I can wax poetic about Man City because uh, uh, they, are really, they are really quite something else. Um, after a disappointing season last year for them, they really... Uh, have fought through adversity. And, you know, that is one of the things that I think we look for, that we hope for, that we admire in our teams. All right, very quickly, uh, let's move on, shall we, to uh, the FA Cup because we have a couple of FA, FA Cup matches coming up. And uh, let's let's talk about them. I'm pulling up the, uh, the money line here, courtesy of betonline.ag. So let's talk about uh, the games for, uh, when, uh, for, excuse me, for Thursday. Wolves-Southampton. Um... Wolves are favorites at home 
at Molyneux, plus 140, Southampton plus 189. Uh, you have to take Wolves on that, folks. Uh, they're going to win this. Uh, I know it. Southampton, lackluster right, uh, right now. And finally, Barnsley, Chelsea. Uh, I like Chelsea to win this. No surprise. Barnsley, long shots to win at plus 790, and they will not. Chelsea finding some form after a very rough patch uh, for the season. So those are my picks. And we do have a whole bunch of matches coming up. <coughs> Excuse me. Wow. Not COVID, I promise you. And sneezing on the air, always a really bad thing to do. But, you know, 21 years broadcasting, I feel that I've uh, earned the right to do that. Okay. Um, we'll continue on with our match picks as we do whenever we come up against uh, the Premier League or the FA Cup or what have you. So stay with me here. Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern. Then again, midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. on the East Coast. Uh, Champions League starting up again soon, folks. We'll be covering that in detail. Hope you'll make me a regular part of your week. In the meantime, reach out to me on Twitter. You can find me at Nick Eber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R, Facebook, facebook.com forward slash World Soccer Radio. I'd love to hear from you. Let's continue the discussion uh, even when we are off the air because that is what's so fun about it, you know? You don't have to wait till the show. We can talk basically anytime. All right, until tomorrow. Hope you have a great night. Stay safe. Enjoy the football. I'll chat to you then. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.